Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hello, and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. How are you? I'm fine. I'm so happy because today marks 52 episodes of this podcast, which feels ridiculous that a year has gone by so fast, but I've enjoyed it so much. It's been one of my favorite things I've ever done in my career. And it's an extension of something that means so much to me, which is my I Weigh movement on Instagram. I've learned so much from our extraordinary guests and I've really enjoyed learning alongside you. I've loved all of your feedback and all of your comments and all of your really, really personal messages about ways in which this podcast has shifted your perspective or shifted the perspective of a relative of yours who you couldn't just, you didn't have the energy to educate anymore. I am, um, I feel immensely grateful for the community that has been built up via doing this podcast. And I can't think of a better way to mark one year than with truly one of my all time, like top of my list dream guests. And that is Kelly Rowland, actual Kelly Rowland from actual Destiny's Child and her actual solo career. I cannot believe my childhood self, my inner teenager is fucking freaking out that she came onto my podcast. Uh, I met her a couple of years ago. Uh, we don't know each other super well. We've kind of been getting to know each other over the years and bits and bobs. I don't know if that makes sense as a sentence, but fuck it, we're sticking with it because I'm excited. And she came onto this podcast and was so open and so honest and and so giving and so warm and she's so wise and she's seen so much from such a young age. The wild ride of that career and I think she was, you know, like 10 or 11 when she first started in Destiny's Child, to truly grow up in this industry and end up as such a balanced, uh, stoic, but also emotionally vulnerable and mature human being is not an easy thing. And I can only say that from having met so many people who've been engulfed by this industry. Kelly Rowland has such a strong sense of self and we talk about what it's like to, you know, she's just had a second baby boy and what it's like to raise young black men in America. Her experience with going solo after being in one of the biggest bands of all time and the comparisons that the media draw up and trying to stave off uh, instincts of competition and then the the scrutiny of the media the lies of the media and also the impact that this industry and its erasure of dark-skinned black women what that did to her own self-image and so we kind of go all over the place in all of the kind of bigger issues of things that she cares about. And she's just super cool. And her voice is so soothing and enjoyable. And she's just a fucking ray of sunshine. She's so cool. 
it's ridiculous how grounded someone so famous is. And it was one of my favourite chats I've ever had, not just on the podcast, but maybe in my life. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. But this is the absolutely perfect Kelly Rowland. Bloody hell. Pinch me. I've only got one of my favourite women in the whole wide world. Someone who's been one of my favourite women for like 20 years now. It's a long time to be a fave. I can't believe you're on my fucking podcast. Kelly Rowland, <laughs> welcome to my way. How are you? Thank you, boo. <laughs> you said 20 years. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we've both been on this planet for a long time. So that's yes, long enough yes. for me to love you from afar. Oh, I love you back. You're so sweet. <laughs> um, how are you? What a bloody start to the year. You've brought a baby into the world during a pandemic. Girl. This is your second baby. Yes. How are you doing? How are you feeling? I feel good. I feel grateful. I'm still floating on the new mommy cloud, like, you know, where, oh my God, I have a a new baby and he's so cute and he's so sweet. And, you know, I just had like the whole um, diaper blowout. So shit is about to get real. <laughs> what's, a, what's a diaper blowout? You're joking. I don't know anything. Okay. okay um, you know, where they, you know, poop. And it goes up. Oh, it, like an explosive, the, an explosive shit. Yes. Did any of it go yes. in your mouth? Hell no. Okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I've heard oh, that, that If I'm that close to, to his bottom, oh Lord, have mercy. <laughs> nah, girl. But, but um, yeah, so we're just like sitting up there, like he's starting to cool with me and everything. And so he's cooing and I'm talking back to him. And then I just see the face turn and I was like, he's about to shit. And literally, <laughs> just as I said that, like it makes a sound and everything. So yes, it it it's crazy. It happens, and it was so cute though. He oh. still made the cutest face. Yes. Oh my god, you're so in love. You're so in love <laughs> with your so baby. And uh, this is your second son. You already yes. have Titan, who is how old now? Titan is six now. Six. Oh my goodness. Can you he was. That? I can't. He was so teeny the last time I saw him. So this is like, he's, this is, he's basically old enough to get a job soon. This is, uh, (laughs) he's a a man. Yes, he needs one with these toys he wants and everything else. So he definitely needs a job. We need to put him more to work for sure. So with two boys now in your house, you and I have Mm -hmm. spoken about this before quite a few times. You are raising young black men in America. Yes. And I know that that is not something you take lightly. I remember reading that just when you found out even for the first time during a sonogram that you were having a boy, that obviously, of course, you were happy and thrilled and full of love, but also you were fucking terrified because of how much violence there is towards black men. Yes, yes, absolutely. I'll never forget that feeling. It was like, excitement and then you go into the like the realization of everything you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and um I mean me and Tim have had you know those conversations as well like the conversation that his mom 
had to have with him at such a young age about if you're getting pulled over and what you're supposed to do. And, you know, and with so much um, violence that we've seen, you know, I just feel like it's so much more to prepare them for. You know what I mean? And I'm just praying and hoping in my heart of hearts that, you know, this new generation of just young people and kids are going to start to like really shift the way the government and, um, you know, our leaders have to, they have to speak up and they have to start putting new laws and, and changing shit. You know what I mean? To really um, allow black lives to really matter. A hundred percent. You know, I, I think that, um, well, one, I'll tell you something that just happened, which is really nuts. So my husband was coming from, um, we, Titan had had his first play date in months. They'd gotten tested and everything. They're just so excited. And they're coming from his best friend's house and he gets pulled over. And so um, I guess the cop told my husband, um, please cut your phone off, shut your uh, car off and get out of the car. Um, first, like it was really something stupid. Wait, sorry. Shut your phone off? Why does he have to close yes, his phone? I have no idea why he had to close his phone. I mean, so we'll fucking he, know why he had to close his phone. But yeah, so, cool. exactly. So anyways, um, my husband asked the officer, sir, you want me to step out of the car? Um, he's like, what, what did I do? And he was like, just step out of the car. He was like, well, can I please call my friend to come and pick my son up? Titan is hysterical, Jay. Like hysterical, daddy, daddy, please don't go to jail. Please don't take, please tell. It's like telling, telling my husband to tell the cop, tell him I have cop cars. I I like the police. I like the police. And I was, I was angry. I was scared. And I, I thought it was really unfortunate because you have an opportunity to introduce yourself as, you know, authority who is protective. Um, protective and mm-hmm. not an asshole. You know what I mean? For mm-hmm. no reason. So I just feel like it, they have a lot of work to do. So when people say defund the police, I, I, I think that it's more so about them saying, um, retrain. Yes. Retrain, making sure that the, 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 t- the test, like you, you're scanning these these officers, you know what I mean? These people and making sure that there's the proper background checks, like proper background checks, mental checks to make sure that they're actually in a position mentally wise to be able to handle any and everything because you just don't know until the opportunity presents itself to you and you don't know how to, to maneuver and handle a situation when it's escalating or whatnot and your hand slips and, or you just, Panic. Racist. Yeah. And a psycho, you don't need to be in that position. So it's so many different, like I've had friends who are officers and they've talked to me about their side of the story and I've seen the other side and I've seen all I need to see, all that I want to see at this point. So I just feel like you can't be upset with people when they say defund the police. It's, it's just them saying like, I'm angry and y'all need to analyze this whole shit and get it all together. Yeah. And, and I think, I th- it. and it is like, you know, it's an interesting thing that as, as women, we, you know, w- we would like uh, some sort of system of, of uh, safekeepers, like someone who's there to turn to if we don't feel safe from other yes. civilians uh, who may yes. be men. Um, and so, 
I'd like the idea of there being some sort of presence in the world that's there to, you know, regulate those people who do not abide by humanity laws, but those people can't be yes. the ones that we're the most afraid of. So what happened? So exactly. after your son was basically pleading with your with your husband and with this police officer, did he still make your husband get out of the car? Did he calm no. down? Did he at any no. point? Okay. No. He it it was you it's know It's wild my, my that it took a six so year old sensible. and also like you I've met your husband before. He's such a yeah. a calming, so lovely presence. But yeah. but essentially I bet it was your six year old's terror of the policeman yeah. that possibly like diffused, yeah. like made him step outside yes. of himself for a second and be like, oh my God. The fact that a six-year-old, I just have to like say that it really strikes me that a six-year-old has managed to injure, and I know how protective you are over your children, but also Super. honest, but a six-year-old has ingested that terror of the police already that he knows to plead with a police officer and explain that he's pro, you know, pro the police, supportive of the police. Yeah. Like th- that is yeah. so young to even have that in your consciousness. Honestly, Jay, I I cried about it that night. Ugh. And I was like, I really pray that he has a better experience with a police officer the next time he sees one, because that is his first one. You know what I mean? Mm. And it, what's really sick is there are some people who will like that kind of shit. Sorry, mm. I'm saying the S word so much. Oh, no, but it's fine. I, I, started, I think I started another with a fuck. way. I, I, beca- <laughs> I, 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 I kicked us off with a fuck like this is where we are now. <laughs> but like. It's it's people who will like that kind of shit. Yeah. And it's other people who will be like, I hate that for him. And yeah. honestly, I hate that for him. But yeah. Ugh. It's it's just disgusting. You uh you have put a lot of thought into how you want to raise Titan and now mm-hmm. your new baby. You have two sons. Mm-hmm. Uh and so yeah. So will you talk to me a little bit about those kind of philosophies of wanting him to, you know, I'm, I'm, we're talking about, you know, a lot of what's been happening like socially, politically right now or the police, mm-hmm. et cetera, but also just as a young man in this world and as a young black man, how that young black man will uh, respond to young women in his mm-hmm. life, perhaps, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. if he's going to have those friendships or relationships, you know, like, this is stuff that you think about all the time, right? All the time. So what's really cool is he literally just had a play date with um, his friend Berkeley and Berkeley came over and I made grilled cheese, make grilled cheese. And because they're so hungry, I made sure that I brought it to the table rather quickly, cut it in half and was like, the next one's coming up, guys. Titan waits for her to get her portion of the grilled cheese first. And it (laughs) says like, like, here you go, Berkeley. And I literally walked away because he took his afterwards like a gentleman. If it was his other, if it was his other buddy, he would have just like been hands on and go for it because I watched him do it. With a young lady or little little girl, he understood his place to be a gentleman. And I was so proud. I sat on the side like, oh, Lord, please let him continue to be like that for the rest of his life. So how did you do it? You know, I've I've spoken at length uh, publicly for years about the role that we can participate in. Obviously, it is also men's responsibility to to shape the young men who are growing up in their houses. But I also think that it's empowering for women to remember that, you know, we might have little boys growing up in our houses. We may be cousins with them. They may be our brother. They may be our son, our our nephew. Etc. But that is a little sponge there who hasn't yet yeah. been like corrupted by patriarchy, corrupted by misogyny, corrupted yeah. by uh, misinformation or the internet and all the fucking lies that they get told yeah. about the world yeah. there. So you have an opportunity of this pure 
ball of love and you get to be their role model for for women and you also get to teach them to be their own kind of role model their own best self yes and i I just i just tell him um, (laughs) everything it is that i need to tell him um because I'm, i'm telling you between seeing that that speech uh, between um, watching um, so just to brag, moms. just to brag for a second, Kelly is talking <laughs> about a speech that I gave in 2019 called "Tell Him," which is about this very it's subject. Amazing. And Kelly fucking Rowland watched it <laughs> and liked it, and I should bring no, it out a million times. And you sh- I, I said, like, "I have nothing left to achieve. I'm quitting this podcast after today." <laughs> but I feel like that should actually be posted at least once a month. <laughs> at least the the least once a month only because it's just like it continues to be like conditioning almost you know what I mean the way you would raise a child and where you're just like baby don't say this try saying it this way it's just it's just shifting you know their whole idea of how they should be as young men. And it's also taking a sympathetic approach to boys of understanding that they are only a product of their environment, right? They didn't choose a lot of these ways and a lot of these ways are hurting Mm -hmm. them. Like male suicide Mm -hmm. is the highest it's ever been. You know, the Mm. the mental health of men because they aren't encouraged to talk about how they feel with us or with each other uh, Mm -hmm. or even admit it to themselves. Like, you know, so they're in so much pain. And, you know, Mm -hmm. Ashling B has come on this podcast before and said the biggest number the patriarchy ever did was really on men because it made them in so much pain and it's not to sympathize with them they should never have done this but but a lot of what they take out on us is a projection of their own like inner pain inner self-hatred inner insecurity terror etc and it just bleeds out onto anyone who's around them whatever their Mm -hmm. gender may be Um, absolutely and uh and it's just it's important to to be firm with them, to be honest with them, to hold them to, you know, to accountability, but also, but also to build them up from the inside. I have Mm -hmm. some of these affirmations that you tell Titan every day. So you, you, you ask him to tell you who he is and he responds with, I am a smart black boy. I am wonderful. My superpower is learning. I love that. I am handsome and I am strong. (laughs) Yes. And he loves when at the end when he's like, I am wonderful. I said, okay, baby, you are wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's so lovely because there's this, also there's this, you are, you are interrupting the insecurity that can be bred by this world by just building him up to be his best self. And when we are our best selves, we can show up as our best selves for other people Yes, and be the best for them. And so absolutely. It's also so powerful for a woman to be the person or to be one of the people that is reaffirming him and building up that confidence that he doesn't fear mm. women, that he looks as a woman as someone who he shares power with. Like you empower him and he tries to empower you back. Yes, and I think that absolutely. that's really cool. And P.S. like he's teaching or is, has, yeah, is teaching me how to be a mom. In you what way? What I mean? Like, well, because think about it like when they're born they're introduced to being a son and you're just introduced to being a mother you don't know what you're doing you know what i mean so you are figuring things out as they're growing up and learning how to like it's even taught me to be a better communicator you know cuz i'll notice like I, early on i remember there was a situation where i would be frustrated and i wouldn't say anything and he's like mom why did you walk away? I said, because I just needed to breathe. He was like, well, what did, what happened? Like, 
You know what I mean? Or like, what did I, what did I do? And I was like, cause I didn't want to like, like go nuts. Cause I, it was like the hundredth time I told him to do something and I didn't want to go, ah, 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 ah. I didn't want to <laughs> yell and bark at him. But I'm like, dude, I was like, I've told you to do this 10 times and I'm really frustrated. I need a minute. And he's like, okay. You know what I mean? So he lets me have my space and then I come back and I talk to him about it. And then he's like, okay, but PS he's at the time he was four. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, you're figuring out how to communicate and how to get things across to where they understand it, but also to where you're not barking on them. And it's not to say you not going to like F up, like, you know, you might like bark one good time and they get it, but you still can't do it like all the time. You understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm learning every day. Like, and I don't get it right every time. And I'm, but I'm so grateful to him because as much as people are like, oh, it's parents, you're the parent and you're teaching them. They teach you so much about yourself. Like what, so what have much. you, what have you learned about yourself? Uh, one that I was a bad communicator and he taught me, he's teaching <laughs> so, me how to wait, be a so better one. Do you feel as though you were a bad communicator in other yes. areas of your life? Yes, 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 and yes, 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 yes. But to be fair, I think women aren't <laughs> given, uh, women aren't given the safest space and you, you and I will get to this later, but women aren't given the yeah. safest space to share our frustrations. We aren't often given the vocabulary to share our frustrations. We uh, are certainly not taught to share them with men um and then yeah. there's you know an extra layer of you having been a woman in this industry which was so stifling to women and like kelly you mustn't show your mm-hmm. opinion about anything like now you're so open and opinionated about everything and i fucking mm-hmm. love watching you just let loose <laughs> uh but uh but then also there's the extra layer of being a black woman and a dark-skinned black mm-hmm. woman where it's like if mm-hmm. you ever express any kind of vague frustration oh she's aggressive Oh, or you should just be happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, truly, you know? truly. So I can understand Which where really that is. I can understand where that would come from. But that's amazing yeah. that that a, a four year old can expose that <laughs> in you. So have yes. you become a, have you become a better communicator with everyone since? Do you feel? Yes, but it's still a process. It's a process. Like every day is a process, and yeah. But I've definitely become a better communicator, for sure. I heard somewhere about a Native American practice in which uh, people would wait one minute to speak after someone else had said something. Now, I don't know if this is 100% real, but I've heard about it from from several different people where the intention behind it was to give enough space after someone had finished speaking to allow yourself to, uh, to, to allow the other person to know that you've fully digested what they've said before you've decided mm. what you're going to say in response. Because otherwise, if you respond immediately after someone else, it means you were just waiting to speak the whole time. Mm-hmm. Now that's not fucking realistic. I interrupt everyone in this podcast. I would never be. <laughs> I would be ousted from that community immediately. <laughs> I'd be put in like like a loudmouth jail. <laughs> but uh, but that's I do. Funny. But I do think that there is something amazing about being, the awareness of making yes. sure you hear the other person, so that you know the other yes. person. 
this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week, you know, as you're bottling things up, because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel, you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to. And this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week. You just have this complete freedom. Honestly, I think everyone should have therapy, regardless of whether they think they need it, because it's so amazing to have a confidant. It's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I had a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. My God, you have... You have seen so much. You have been through so much. Your career has been so obscenely adventurous and exciting. I uh, I have some stats that I want to read out oh, about. Are you going to really I'm gonna do that? Come I'm on. Do, I'm, do, no. I'm doing it. It's, it's happening. Can you please no, not I wanna, do no, that? No, because I want to talk to you about your journey into this uh, industry. But like, okay. you've been a solo artist for 18 years, technically. Wow. You have sold what? over 40 million records as a solo artist and an additional 60 million with Destiny's Child. You've won three Grammys with Destiny's Child, one Grammy solo. That was Dilemma with Nelly, one of the greatest songs of all time. Uh, four solo albums. You uh, you guys have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame as a band and uh, you have an incredible 17 tours under your belt between solo tours and Destiny's Child. Wow. And you don't look tired at all. 
You look like the most rested, beautiful, glowing woman I've ever seen. But you have done so much. You have seen so much. You came up in this industry in a time that was, yeah. you know, we've just seen the the Britney documentary and we're mm-hmm. just starting to really have a conversation about the way that we have dehumanised women in the media, mm-hmm. the ways in which we have crossed boundaries. But there were no boundaries mm-hmm. to even cross. Yep. It was just the was wild just fucking West. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you came, up at, you came up at the beginning of that like that kind of like the early days of tabloid culture of paparazzi mm. harassment of them realizing that the people don't want to see the happy beautiful glamorous side of celebrity people want to see the human ugly bits like the the mistakes the flaws the this that and the other that mm. i remember you know you and i are close in age and i remember the the dawn of that time of mm. of we want to we don't want to celebrate celebrities anymore we want to fucking expose mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. and you were in the biggest girl band of all time I remember when you guys first like kind of really blew up where it was just explosive, like all over the world, you were the biggest girl band of all time. And, and how early into that did all these kind of rumors about the band start where they start trying to like pit you guys against each other or pit you guys against other bands and start to create this kind of rumors that you guys are difficult and all this other shit that I was reading about such young women who are around my age. Yeah. Yeah. With chaperones, by the way. So how can we demand stuff? We got chaperones in their home. And they're like, ladies, you guys want to be gracious. You got, you know what I mean? In the sweetest way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do believe that a, a lot of that is the reason why we're still here is because we're gracious and because we are kind. But there are boundaries. And there were so many people, whether it was comparing, whether it was, um, you know, saying uh, that, you know, we... We wanted to put more clothes on. I, I remember, by the way, I remember actually being checked about our clothes by another female. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's just, a, and we were 17, 17 years old. And this is what everybody was, this is what everybody's wearing. You turn on Clueless, like they got a little crop top. So you're going to, you know, say something about us because our crop tops, whatever. So, but I, I think there's also like, like the added, there's the added offense that three young black women are doing so yeah. well and creating such a stir and they're wearing crop tops and then there's all the kind yeah. of like you know which we now understand maybe more so as a culture of the fact that sure. black women are so hypersexualized yeah. by white yes. people that they find it like they find black sexuality much more threatening mm. and offensive and mm. so you mm. know i look back now on those times and realize mm. how much of a harder time you guys were given sometimes than your sort of white girl group counterparts yeah shoot i just feel like Period. Like if you look at like you were talking about Brittany and somebody just showed me this, not a sizzle reel, but like a, the preview of mm-hmm. her. That's that special. Yeah. And when I saw all of that and like how much she was sexualized, I was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at, at the same time, like some and j- just saying some of those like outfits, like crop tops and things like that, kids were wearing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like how. Other people were taking it as well. They take it to a whole nother disgusting level when we're just being kids or we're just being teenagers. What was the experience? Because I was, I became well known on a way smaller scale um, 
older than you were when it started. What did it, do you remember what it used to feel like being in a room with people? Because I, I went back and watched a bunch of your interviews over the, mm-hmm. over the course of like the last 18 years. And it's mm-hmm. been wonderful to watch the difference in the way that you are treated in an interview mm-hmm. and to watch the way mm-hmm. that now people actually are interested in your opinion on things and you are treated mm-hmm. with respect and like people are excited to have you there rather than uh, you are lucky to be here. And so mm-hmm. because you're here, I own you because you've chosen to put yourself in a public position of being in this girl band. So now I can just mm-hmm. ask you anything I want. Like some fucking shady shit would get asked <laughs> to you guys uh, yes. back in the day. Yes. Like, what did that feel like to not be, not feel like you were allowed to respond? And I'm not blaming your management or your team or your PR for that. It was just an overall, yeah. it was an overall feeling amongst women at that time. Um, I, I think that you got to think about that at that time, there were girl groups that were coming and going so much. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Think about how many girl groups there were and think about how all of them eventually broke up. So they were just waiting and counting down the days for us to do it. So yeah. like, you know, and when band I, members never... were, band, band members were changing, they were just like, ha exactly. rubbing their hands together. Exactly. This is it. They're going to fall. Exactly. Exactly. They were waiting for us to hate each other, waiting for us to fight, waiting for there to be some sort of tension and for us to break up. And like, you know what I mean? It was like, it was that. And like there were female interviewers just as much as there were male interviewers who were egging that shit on. And so, how how do you as friends, as basically sisters, I mean, you and Beyonce are basically sisters, uh, but I'm, yeah. all of you are such a tight-knit crew. Yeah. And yes. how were you guys able to survive that? Because it turns so many people against each other. Because it you does. read this stuff, this stuff is everywhere. You start to believe it. You start to wonder, like, did she say that? Yeah. Did she do this thing on stage, et cetera? Like, I've, I've had so many friends in this industry who've fallen yeah. out amongst each yeah. other because they, it's all been like the, the flames have just been fanned by the media and, so much, yeah. and actually until they actually just sit down in front of each other and realize that they're both the victims of the same like toxic yes. system yes. they have no yes. idea like how were you able to withstand that as friends no it's honest talking you have to talk about the uncomfortable stuff you was have it to challenging it. i mean of, of course it was i mean it it would it would be like ludicrous for me to say no it was great I love when people compared me to Michelle and B and other females around and you know wanted like would say crazy things to me and like expect me to say crazy things about that like that's that would be insane but no I had we had to talk about it yeah. you know what I mean we had to talk about it and was it uncomfortable of course it was uncomfortable but it's I'm so happy that we have each other still you know what I mean? And we were able to ride through those moments because it makes the relationship that much more amazing. You know what I mean? It makes it that much more rooted. Yeah, you're forged in fire. Yeah, yeah. In that scenario, you survived that together. And you've, yeah. all, you've all been through that. And not just you as a band, but your generation of women. Yes, yes. Everyone went through it. And it feels like we're literally now in 2021 having that conversation of how wild yes. it was what we yes. were put through. Like, how are we supposed to, how, how much healing there needs to be done? Yes. But P.S., I think like we always talk about, like a, away from mm-hmm. here and the bigger conversation is women actually finally taking a stand to not talk about other women. Like, like I feel like there's no way in hell that Meghan Markle 
should ever see an article. There's no way that any woman in the public eye should ever see a nasty article written about her, period, from another woman. Mm -hmm. It should not happen. No. She shouldn't hear a DJ, a VJ, anybody, a journalist, anybody. She should never hear her lips on the same line of negativity and mean and evil shit as yeah anywhere she should never see it never hear it it shouldn't it should not even be spoken of or heard of and to me that starts with us a hundred it starts with us as women and we have to start like i'll never forget um this interviewer was talking about mariah carey Mm -hmm. and as soon as he started i just looked at him i was like i looked at my team i said this interview is over like i'm not i don't like that like this, what, this trying is to get over. get you to talk yeah, shit ta- about Mariah Carey. He was say, saying something negative, and I was like, "No, man! Like, I don't. We don't play that." I was like, "Mariah's one of my heroes. You won't sit up here and do that shit with me. Absolutely not. Please pack up your shit and please get out of here." They just love a bitch fight. They fucking they, they love, love it. a bitch fight. They love it. They love it. And I just we should not be any. We should not be each other's source of entertainment in a negatively driven way. Hundred percent. And listen, I'm someone who has been critical um, in the past of men and women. Uh, I feel like I did it in a really clumsy, gross way when I was younger. But sometimes now as an adult, if I feel like an individual is doing something that harms other women, I will call them out. But I call them out constructively with a hope that they will change, not in a way to maliciously malign them. I think it's important just to make sure that no one misunderstands that we're not saying that you cannot call in a woman or criticize another woman like that is okay it doesn't make you unfeminist but do not pull any malicious shit against a woman if your intention of calling someone out or criticizing them or saying any giving any opinion about them is to drag them down rather than build them back up even if that is a a loving call for them to change something dangerous that they're doing Mm-hmm. then you're on the wrong side. And this isn't just about celebrity yes. women. This is just about all of us in our offices, women, in working period. in hospitals, girls in schools. Like yes. We all need to understand that the reason that we have been, so, like the reason that there is such an appetite for the cat fight, the reason that there is such an appetite for us tearing each other apart and looking at each other as competition is because it does the patriarchy's work for them. Yes. Like they don't have to get involved. If they teach us how to destroy ourselves, how to self-destruct, then yes. they don't have to spend time destroying us. No, no. We'll just do they've it for them. They've already set it up. Yes, they've already set it up. They're just waiting for us to just fall in the trap. And when we fall in the trap, they're laughing at us the whole freaking way. I always it's think that. I always imagine that they're laughing when they're watching us actually like like play right into their hands. It's, yes. it's exhausting. How has being a public figure for such a long time, in particular, uh, a black woman with beautiful dark skin, how has this industry and being so publicly held up on a pedestal and scrutinized and adored and, and, uh, you know, you have, (laughs) you have a fan base that has a name and they're called the Rolling Stones, which I didn't know about. (laughs) And now I'm going to join because that's a great (laughs) fucking name. That's hysterical. (laughs) But what impact has living this life, being this public figure, what impact has that had on your mental health, on your life, on your self image, on your, Mm on your relationship with yourself because it's so dehumanizing Um, sometimes it's extraordinary extraordinary privilege you get to travel the world meet amazing people eat great food yeah 
even though yeah, they, they didn't used food. to encourage us to eat food when we were younger, but you know, <laughs> we, but, by the way, I'm sorry, but we still ate food. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You already know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, um, but, but tell me, tell me what it's been like, if you don't mind. Um, here's what I'll start by saying. It's already enough when you come into the industry with your own insecurities, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whether that's whatever you've probably, whatever you've experienced away from the industry, when you come into the industry and you have a whole tray full of your issues, whether they're daddy issues, uh-uh, mommy issues, uh-uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, here's this opportunity just, you know, that's here. And I don't, I don't know if people necessarily see it on you, but it does like all that stuff feeds into all of their insecurities. You know what I mean? Whether it's somebody comparing you or you not hearing, you know, that you are enough, enough, you know, to, oh my God, what you do is great or what, you know what I mean? Like, it's that, like it, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of a way to say it where it's just like, if your cup and and everybody's cup is not going to be full, but if it's not full of more like, you know, sewing into you in like this industry is going to take all of it out or try to suck all all of it out or what's left of it out. And if you don't pour into yourself or surround yourself with other people who are pouring into you too, you, your cup is going to go empty. Do you can tell me to go fuck myself right away if I yep. step in a in a place that's too personal? But I say this only because I had such a tricky relationship with my family, mm-hmm. you know, my parents when I was younger, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and I think when you go through traumas with them, and I know that you've spoken before about it, and we don't have mm-hmm. to go into mm-hmm. it right now, but you had mm-hmm. a particularly uh, tricky relationship with your dad. Um, I know mm-hmm. that, um, as did your mm-hmm. mother and, and then you have a very love, you had a very loving relationship with your mother, but she was also mm-hmm. doing everything she could to be able to raise you in this world and give you everything you needed. And that meant also sometimes mm-hmm. sacrificing time with you to work that hard as a single mother. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, big love to mother Tina, Tina Knowles yes. for stepping in love and supplementing her. that extra, yes. that extra Always. bit of mother time that you needed. But yeah. There is a particular pain in sometimes feeling rejected by a parent or a family member mm. or mm-hmm. feeling like you, because kids internalize it as, oh, I wasn't good enough in some way. Yes. I don't know if and you did that. Over. I don't know if you did that. But then if you then yeah. grow up and enter into an industry where you are constantly made to fear rejection, yes. Yes. being abandoned, yes. being told you're not yes. good enough. It's like being re-traumatized yes. all over again. Over again. Absolutely. And you don't realize it's a trigger till you get older. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's why I said that like that to this person or that. You know what I mean? Like I'm I know what my triggers are now. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you figure out what those are, you're able to try to not control them, but try to um What's the, manage control them. them man thank you manage that's a much better word but better manage them as best you can because you don't want to go throwing up on everybody your own trauma you know what i mean no. it's just it's not fair but um sometimes i, I do... like to throw up some of my drama on other people but that's just me uh, <laughs> 
I know that's not really acceptable. <laughs> but sometimes it feels really good. We can't do that. No, no, that, I know. Sorry. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> it's fucking hard. Um, but, but truly, like sometimes I wonder why any of us even got into this industry. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I wonder what it is that mm. makes people even go towards, obviously there's a part of it that's like, I love performing. Like you loved singing. Yes. What was that? Yes. There's a note that your mother told you that you, she found that you'd written of, I want to grow up and be a singer in a red dress. Yes. That's yes. So yes. How old are you when you wrote that note? I don't know. I think I just learned to write, Chan. I think you were in <laughs> kindergarten. Yeah, indeed. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously a part of like, I just want to do what I love and be able mm-hmm. to only do that. But there's mm-hmm. also a part of me that wonders, why do we, why do we put ourselves through that? Why do we put ourselves up for it? Part of it we is that we're never, we're what? never prepared. Yeah. No one ever tells yeah, you what I it's going to be like. Say, yeah. You don't know what it's going to be like. And as much as you see all these different stories, you're like, I won't live that or I won't do that. or I, That's not going to happen to me. All of that shit happened to you. And then you're like, <laughs> how do I get through this? You know what I mean? But you've already had the, yeah. you know, all the warnings, whatever those are, but they all come in there in their own form of craziness in your world. You know what I mean? It's it's very specific and particular to your traumas and how they play out. So, yeah. Yeah. But it is like, it is an odd thing. I'm always questioning this in myself. I'm just like, is there a part of me that's trying to fill a void? of love with mm. stra- with the love mm. of strangers with the respect of strangers because I didn't feel respected or protected so now mm. I'm trying to build that because I don't know it's just some- it's something I'm always just wondering about I'm not really asking you to answer I, that I'm I, just sort of musing it no but I understand what you're saying because I asked I've asked myself that before yeah and I remember I did that with music and most recently with this latest project I remember I was just wanting like uh I'm sorry before this latest project I was like, well, I just want to make it to where it's this and it's going to do this and people are going to do this when they hear it and then like me for this. And I'm like, now I was just like, I just want to make great music. I don't give a shit what you think. Yeah. And I was so happy that I got to that point because I stressed myself out yeah. with every other thought. You know what I mean? That when it just came to like making music that feels good to me, that's all that mattered. But also you were like made to feel like you really had something to prove. Well, yeah. When you leave a successful band, Destiny's Child, shit. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? It was, it was so, so, um, because it was just so much. It was here the whole time. And I'm like, oh, like the, the, the pressure of that was a lot. I'll never forget um, uh, when we were just talking about like solo adventures or whatever. I was like, oh my God. Like that was daunting to me because I was like, well, how many number ones have we had? <laughs> that sounds insane. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's like, I need another one. I should I should have another number one. Okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do that in the studio? Who am I going to work with? How am I going to... Like, it's just so many questions you ask yourself. And then when you don't, when you don't do it, mm-hmm. it's just that much farther from like, you're like, well, I didn't do it. And, and they're going to say this yeah, you're, about me. And you're yes. investing your happiness in the wrong yes. place. Yeah. And it, it and goes PS, away from music. When they smell that on you, they will completely to play with it. Who's like that? Media. Yeah. Media. People. Disgusting, miserable people who ain't ever seen what I've seen in my lifetime, but they want to talk about me and the shit I haven't seen. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just insane to me. You got these people that are saying all these crazy things. And, and my husband said that he was like, man, they wish they saw 
a quarter of what you've seen. What kind of crazy things were people saying about you? Because I feel as though I've only ever seen people say, I mean, when you were in the band, I used to see a bunch of shit being said all the time because the band members were changing, etc. But but yeah. post that, I only I only know of loving stuff that I've ever seen about you. Like everyone loved you. No, I'm, I'm talking about comparing, like right. the way they would compare our successes. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, that part of it was just like crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. What would you say has been the biggest struggle in this in this industry for you when it comes to your relationship with yourself? Mm, I'd say being being happy, like completely completely happy with what I feel like I brought to the table. Mm-hmm. Like as far as like music was concerned, like that that really used to bother me. It really did. I don't know if I ever said that out loud, but like it really used to bother me that I didn't like have like this. And I had so many of them. That's what's, what's tripping me out. Fucking because, hell. I mean, you had loads. Exactly. I read it out. But that's what I'm saying. Like that they, it was like a point in time where like my like people would make me feel like that. And I and I let and it wasn't even necessarily them. I let them make me feel like that. Yeah. can't blame them necessarily. I let them make me feel like that because then I could, I could be real gangster and be like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just say that, like, I'm not even bothered by that and really not be bothered by it. But because of like that stuff that we talked about, like with parents and things like that, I think that that fueled all of that stuff to make it bigger than what it really was, you know? Oh yeah, you're saying you're saying that as in our old traumas are what makes us more yes. vulnerable to yes. this sort of like to people making you feel rejected, not good enough. You're more open to that. You're more yes. receptive to it because it because it I, confirms the bias against yourself you already have internally. Yes, yes, um, I think that's the perfect word. You're more vulnerable to it. That's perfectly said. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I also want to talk a little bit about, because you and I spoke about this before, about your journey with your self-image. Like your, mm-hmm. in fact, you and I probably only have each other's phone numbers because we met in such an intimate way where I feel like <laughs> at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> at a party, yes. standing yes. by a food stand, I <laughs> I caught you talking shit about the way you look in some way or like making yes. fun of yourself or worrying about, I don't know, eating something. And I fucking didn't know you at all. Like totally <laughs> like love you so much in awe of you and had the fucking balls on me, uh, had the ovaries on me rather to, uh, I'm not even going to say that because some people don't have those, but, <laughs> I had the, but no, I had the nerve 
to just have give you a lecture at 1am yeah, yeah, <laughs> like New Year's Eve or something yes. or Christmas Day yes. about, no, it was New Year's Eve about how you should be how you should respect your beautiful self and body yes. and yes and the reason that uh, I think I felt so compelled to do it that night when we met, and you and I have discussed this before, so I don't feel like I'm uh, yeah. bamboozling you with something, but uh, it's because I'd I'd interviewed you like 10 years before. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously you would never remember me. I barely remember myself back then. Um, but during that interview, you had sort of body shamed yourself. Like, and you, and I was mm-hmm. looking at you and you had the, like the most conventionally perfect physique I'd ever seen. And I remember thinking back then, like, oh my God, what is she seeing? Why can she not see what I can see? And then to hear it happen again 10 years later, I was like, that's it. I'm not fucking tolerating this shit anymore from this woman. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm going to make her love herself at 1am on New Year's Eve. (laughs) And you were so gracious and receptive to me. And you... I was. Because you were right. Shoot. But I, how the fuck did this happen? Like, how could someone as like effervescently beautiful as you, you're ethereal, like it's like you're not real. Right now you're on Zoom and you're fucking like shining through the Zoom in the most, in like, <laughs> like Jesus. And so I don't understand, but, but I can imagine mm-hmm. what happened to make mm-hmm. someone like you or anyone really, but really just like considering you're on this podcast right now, what chipped away at that sense of beauty, at that sense of like self-confidence, at that sense of like whether or not you find yourself beautiful or not, like why the need to verbalise a dislike of oneself? Where does that come from in you? I know, I know where it came from in me. It came from everything around me that was messaging me that yeah. like South Asians aren't beautiful. Yeah. And I, South like, Asians we, aren't the hero. Of- We're not the love interest. We're the, we're the punchline. See, for for me, I feel like it's so crazy because like in in black culture, there was a time we talk, we've had these conversations where, you know, um, it's like, oh, she's the darker skin girl. Like it was all of that. You know, that that was the first seed I remember planted to. Just I'm in my mind. And who would, would you who would time. you hear who would you hear that from? Are you talking about back? You at just school? heard that all around you. You just heard that all around you. Didn't matter if, if where it was from, you heard it. Mm-hmm. And it was a thing. You know what I mean? It was actually a thing. And um, you know, so between hearing that, um, just hearing just people talk about, you know, yeah, the the darker skin girl, like not being as, or she's cute, but she's not as pretty as, or, you know, then getting into um, being older and just being self aware of yourself and like, you know, that you still hearing that same thing. You're still hearing this messaging. You're seeing it on media. You know what I mean? See, oh, see. I know exactly what you mean. This is like when you I, I had a media. An, this is like me having like an eating disorder throughout my teens and then becoming a, a public figure and then gaining some weight and getting fat shamed conf- mm. and having that confirm my greatest fears as a fucking teenager. Just being mm-hmm. like everything you thought that if you gained weight, you would be shamed, humiliated, demonized. And then for it to actually happen in real time, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Everything I feared back then about the way I was being perceived was true. And it's being confirmed in writing 
on global headlines. And so, uh, you know, you being the darker skinned member of a girl band and that then mm. being brought, I mean, I, I don't remember that, but I also think that the British have a much more cowardly racism. So I think that mm. they're less likely yes. to come out there and say it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, if- some stuff, some stuff happens to where like when you were at a photo shoot and they just blatantly tell you, I don't have your color. Like that's, what the yeah. you don't you don't th- you know what I mean like that's and people have experiences. I'm not the only person that you know yeah, yeah. has the same has the, everybody has the story. Or they use stronger so lights, like, or they don't have the right light, or they don't know how to shoot right. black skin, or they right. they lighten your skin in photographs afterwards. Girl, or or you come out pink sometimes because maybe they change it a little bit in post. It's just the craziest thing to where when you look at magazines or. You know, it's just like, this is what beauty looks like. I remember saying that. And it was like three white women on there and they all blonde. And it's just like, wow, like, then where does my beauty fit? Where do I see myself? I said, thank God for Whitney Houston. Thank God for Janet Jackson. You know, thank God for these brown, beautiful women that I saw in these high places that were doing the most amazing things because I never would have thought you know what I mean you like, can't see it I, you can't I be belong. It. yeah exactly a hundred percent and and I know that you've spoken before about Tina Knowles being a huge influence on you at a young age where where you've said that when you were a teenager she would be out like sunning herself and you wouldn't want to go out in the sun because mm-hmm. the fear of getting mm-hmm. even darker was too mm-hmm. much for you and she was one of the people mm-hmm. to interrupt that thought process and mm-hmm. say hey hey your chocolatiness, I think she called yes, it. <laughs> yes, she's, she's like you, uh, chocolate baby. Yeah. Like this, you, chocolate baby. It's, you are perfect. Like she, she would start all of that. Yeah, conversation. And you said and start, she, yeah, you said she yeah. had art in her house that had women of yes. all different shades of brown and black, yes. and and yes. she celebrated the. And just, she herself is a fairly light skinned woman. Um, yes, but I, uh, but but for her to celebrate that in you at such a formative age, I think, I think is really beautiful. And I'm glad that you had some of that at home, which helped you survive the industry's like inherent colorism. And now you are a a role model for young black women everywhere, but in particular, those with darker skin who are able to see themselves in you. And you've received those letters from girls like throughout your entire career. And I see the way that people talk about you on the internet and on Twitter and what you mean to them. And the fact that you write songs about it now, about dark skin mm-hmm. and and about women loving themselves and embracing themselves and what a role model mm-hmm. you want to be for young women. And yes. I think that that's great. How did you get to this place of self-acceptance? because now that we're having the conversation of colorism more in the mainstream really again only in the last year where even with the discussion around black lives there's also like conversations happening internally amongst the black community like i see it on twitter etc where suddenly now the conversation is like okay now let's talk about we understand white privilege now let's understand light-skinned privilege and -hmm. people are having to investigate and in you know and understand that amongst themselves yeah where have where have you gotten to with it? I mean, for me, I just I just I honestly wanna be one of those people that's just like happy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I know that comparing myself did not make me happy. 
And, um, you know, even not celebrating another woman did not make me happy. Like it, I, I wanted to shift that, you know what I mean? And it's not that I ever wanted anything bad for any woman at all, mm-hmm. but it was just like, I was comparing myself, you know what I mean? And then comparing yourself, like it's other stuff that comes with that. And I just, I don't, I don't want that. And I just said, I just want to be the best version of myself. What it's also that? it's also really dangerous, I think, to compare yourself because it then teaches you inherently that there is a finite amount, that that opportunity, mm-hmm. that happiness, that love, that sex, mm-hmm. that whatever, that these things aren't infinite. It puts like yeah. a it puts a ceiling, a cap, a damp, yeah. on yeah. how much you're allowed to have, which is a which is not true. It's in it's in our heads. We've right. been told that right. by misogyny, that especially for women, right. and then another layer right. for a woman of color, then a further layer for a black woman, like, and then a further mm-hmm. layer for a dark skinned black woman. It's like you are your yes. ceiling is made lower and lower and lower and lower, so or you're told so that your true. ceiling is lower. And so when you compare yes. yourself to another person, then you are telling yourself, oh, there isn't abundance. Like we can't yes. all have a piece of the pie. Yes. Yes. And then you actually start moving like that. And shrinking yourself. Do you feel like you shrunk yourself? I think that at times for sure I shrunk myself. Yeah. For sure. Well, you're not doing that now. I love that. I don't don't feel the need need to. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And so, and you know what? Having, having my son made me even more aware of it. I was like, shoot, I don't want him to see that and feel like it's okay or even find himself a partner that does the same thing. No. As in no. like what find himself a partner that, that has a problem with their own aesthetic or yes, skin color. That, yes, exactly. So if he hears me say, like, pick myself apart or anything, which thank God he hasn't, like he's gonna go find somebody like that. No. <laughs> no. that's that's I, so true that's yes, so we're true their, we're their first example of everything so like if i'm in a mirror like he heard he saw his dad like try to like hit a golf ball because mm-hmm. tim's obsessed with golf we all know this but he saw him his dad try to like hit this golf ball. he's like oh i'm trash i said if you say that one more time he's gonna hear you say it and he's gonna call himself trash do you know titan went outside like a week two weeks later and he's like, oh, it's trash, mommy. I went into Tim's office. I said, go say something positive about yourself when you hit this damn golf ball. I said, like, I'm the greatest golfer ever or something. But funny enough, Titus says, oh, mommy, I'm a better golfer than my dad. Oh, that's great. That's great. He's already, Because yeah. daddy's trash. <laughs> <laughs> um, I massively appreciate how much you use your platform now to empower young women and I also think it's very cool that you speak out about the fact that we need more men doing the same thing mm-hmm. you know we've got you want to be a role model in particular like to all women and to all people mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. but in particular to young black women you want to reaffirm their sense of self and their sense of self-love mm-hmm. and dignity mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you feel as though I might be putting words in your mouth and you can correct me there but I definitely feel like we don't have enough men in any community who are Mm-mm. taking it upon themselves to use their platforms to explain themselves to boys, to investigate mm. themselves publicly, to talk about their feelings, to to be a real role model, not just a role model for how many, what kind of car you can have or how much money you can make yeah. or what kind of business you can yeah. start. 
And again, I'm not singling out any community. Fuck knows, like we have so much violence in India towards women and no, no, almost none of the men, the public men speak out about it or speak about consent or speak about like the need to, to interrupt violence against women. Like the, the statistics on sexual violence are just out of control and none of these male Mm. public figures. And one of the things that I most say is where are the men? Like, why are the women having to protest this on our own? Like, where are the men saying this isn't right? Because people listen to public figures, little boys or little girls that we idolize them. We listen to them way yeah. more than we listen to our, our parents. Yeah, I think that a lot of a lot of folks, and I have been guilty of this, like the way cool looks. What do you mean? Like cool, like like cool, like oh well, no, that doesn't bother me. But you're in your own hell in your hotel room, or no, I'm I'm perfectly happy with who I am. But you're actually in your own hell. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you look like everything's not bothering you and everything seems fine, but I just feel like it's like, I feel like talking about that. It's, it's starting to, you know, push its way into culture now and just being your most authentic, honest self. Oh, I'm so self-love. I'm self-aware. I'm the self, 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 self. How, how much of that are you really being? Like, and are you that much self-aware to where you can actually help someone else be just as aware of themselves? You know what I mean? Like you have to, if if you want to see that, you have to really actually be it. Yeah. And we definitely need more of that from men. I would love to see that. We do. It would heal them. It's not for us. It's for Mm -hmm. them. And then we benefit because then they're dealing with their shit. And well, I mean, th- th- think about it like women save the day anyways. Think about what just happened in this election. I just I think that they're they're actually looking to us as much as they don't want to give us credit for it. But it's yeah, they're looking to us to to help. But it's also like the, the same thing that they admire is the same thing that like they'll eventually be like really pissed about later. Well, I think uh, yeah, I've spoken about that before. Even even in that even in that tell him speech that you mentioned earlier that you really liked. Yes. Um, I don't know if anyone else remembered that, but there was a time it's when Kelly like, would know. It's, no, 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 no. it's love. It's love. It's love, dude. It's love. No, I'm joking. Love. I'm just I'm just being <laughs> stupid. Um, but I uh, but in in that speech, I think I talk about the fact that we are that I f- I f- I'm sad and I fear that men fear women that in that they fear that they are redundant towards us and the more independent we become the less purpose they think they have for us that they Mm -hmm. are just a seed Mm -hmm. now they before they used to be the one to go out and forage or they used to be the one to protect us but now we have mace and tasers and walls and locks and we Mm -hmm. know how to walk with our keys between our fingers which we should never have to do and fuck this world for it but um you know we Mm -hmm. have our own jobs some of us are you know in some countries most of us are allowed to drive uh Mm -hmm. we we have that independence and the more independent we become because we don't ever stress the importance of friendship between men and women. Yeah. But, you know, that I bang on about this all the time. That's so, I don't so want to good. Bore I know, my, but that's so bore my good. Uh, listeners. But it is something that I really do feel. And I feel like if we look at it that way, then we can empathize and be like, okay, shit, we need as a culture. This isn't just on women, yeah. but we, as a culture, we need to... I like the importance of friendship. Like, I love the fact that your son has little girl friends who aren't being positioned yes. only as a love interest. You know what I mean? He wasn't on yeah. a grilled cheese sandwich date. Like, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, yes. uh, they're they building an actual friendship. He's going to know he's got value to her 
beyond yeah. just being able to do everything for her because she's so disempowered. They want to keep us disempowered yes. so that they feel like yeah. they have a purpose. And that's sad. Yes. Yes. Because wouldn't yes. it be nice for them to feel like they could just live for themselves and we can live for ourselves and we can all come together and just party? Yes. 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 Which is it the most be. like simplistic way I can put it, but that is how I feel. Um, you're a joy. You're a real joy. And I, uh, and I have only gotten to know you so recently in my life, but I cannot tell you how kind and warm and loving uh, a woman Kelly is and everything you see on her social media, all of that light and love that comes out, that is true to the person that she really is. And I feel very, uh, very lucky to know you and very lucky to have had you come on this podcast and tell me about your fucking ridiculous life. (laughs) 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 it's so surreal it's so surreal and weird uh what you've kind of come through and um so spectacular and i'm so glad that on the other side of it it's not often that someone can maintain their head on their shoulders so kudos to you Mm. and to your immediate support network for keeping you strong and sane through a really tricky time to be a woman in the public eye thank you and honestly it was women I, I thank God for my mama T. I thank God for Angie. I thank God for B. I thank God for, uh, did I say my mama T? For Solange, yeah. for Michelle. I, I, I just thank God for them. They've literally been like the closest women to me. You know mm. what I mean? And, and then to like branch out and, you know, get more of a female bubble. And I'm just grateful. I, I have remarkable women in my life and, they iron sharpens iron and try to be honest with each other. So that's great. You did forget to mention me, but that's fine. Um, that's, no, 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 that's fine. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I heard the list and I was like, she's going to say, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Literally met like four times. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I, uh, I think you're a wonderful role model for young women. So Kelly, before you leave me, will you just tell me what do you weigh? I weigh my relationship um, and being able to have a lasting, loving marriage. I weigh embracing my body in the place that it is right now, even after I just had this child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, these are good. Oh, I'm loving this. Oh, I, weigh, <laughs> I, weigh, I weigh new opportunities. Um and being completely bold and walking into them. And you weigh going out of your way to raise two little boys to become amazing and important men in other people's lives. Yes, I weigh that like a hell of a holler. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that I uh, told you off at one o'clock in the morning uh, at too. that party. Because <laughs> it's been really fun to get to know you since. <laughs> and I can't wait for this fucking pandemic to be over so I can come Me say too. hello and see your baby. I know. And you can bring the puppy because Titan wants a dog so bad. But I'm like, nah, player, you have to learn some responsibility first before we think about getting you a dog. A hundred percent. Yeah, you can definitely, you can, you can, you can, you can borrow mine happily. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, loads of love to you. Have a wonderful day and uh, and a you. good rest as a as a mum and a pa- as a new mum in a pandemic. Thank you, babe. You're a joy. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Erin Finnegan and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson and the beautiful music that you're hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. I really appreciate it and it amps me up to bring on better and better guests. Lastly, at I Weigh, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iweighpodcast at gmail.com. It's not in pounds and kilos, so please don't send that. It's all about your just, you, you know, you've been on the Instagram. Anyway, and now we would love to pass the mic to one of our listeners. I weigh my smile and my humor. I weigh being a great partner and a good daughter and a great granddaughter and a nice sister. I weigh being a good, compassionate person who has nothing but good intentions for our world. I weigh being myself no matter who is around. And I weigh my journey to self-love. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.